are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, a special Victory Wednesday edition coming at you today because the Patriots played on Monday night against the Buffalo Bills. Here to talk about that and the week that was in the NFL on this first podcast of the week, Rich Hill, are you there and how are you? Ooh, I am still tired from that game because I probably fell asleep in the first quarter. That was probably <laughs> one of the most boring 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 Patriots victories ever and not in a good way where they just ran out to a super early lead and you could just you know close your eyes at halftime and have it all secure this game was 9-6 at the start of the the third quarter and I never felt anything was in jeopardy Alec this was this was one heck of a week man no, I know. It's, it's really bad because this is this is the plight of the Boston sports fan coming off a World Series win, the 11th championship in 16 years. So we're all up late watching the Sox win a World Series. And then we got to watch the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. And that game didn't live up to standards by regular football standards. But coming off a World <laughs> Series, it was just uh, it was an absolute snooze fest. We'll get to it in a little bit. But Rich, first, I want to go around the league in the week that was in the NFL. Week eight is in the books, which means the NFL season is already half over which is nuts to think about. But on the plus side, as far as the Patriots are concerned, the rest of the league fell pretty well in New England's favor. Everyone in the AFC East lost except for the Patriots to beat the Bills. The Dolphins got shellacked by the Texans. The Jaguars are officially dead, I think. They lost to the Eagles. The Jets lost to the Bears. Pretty good week overall in the NFL this week. Yeah, and for a Patriots fan, you always want to win the division first, right? That's something that Bill Belichick always says. Division comes first. That's how you punch your ticket to the postseason. You can worry about playoff seeding afterwards. And to see the Dolphins fall just really terribly to the Houston Texans on Thursday night football, see the Jets just look absolutely unimpressive against the Chicago Bears. I mean, the Patriots have a two-game lead inside the division. They're 6-2. and two. Dolphins are in second place at 4-4, four and four, but the Patriots have a head-to-head in hand. This, I mean, is the AFC East already over? I mean, I, I can't see any of these teams really rebounding, and I think that the Patriots are just on track for yet another breezy win in the division. Let's be honest, Rich. The AFC East is over in September. Let's not even <laughs> kid ourselves. Wait, there's always, I feel like everybody, including you and I, buddy, I'm not going to let us off the hook. We're always like, is this the year that maybe the Dolphins can come and sneak? But like, no, it's not. It never is. Because the Patriots, as bad as they looked, as flat as they looked against the Bills, the rest of the division is just worse. And it's weird because I feel like in a lot of ways, the AFC East does enough to be competitive. And then things just happen. There's injuries or guys don't live up to expectations or there's some boneheaded coaching or just something just happens within that division where other teams that are not the Patriots shoot themselves in the foot and we're seeing it once again repeat itself. Yeah, and I mean, I, I personally really liked what the Bills did on defense over the past couple of years. I thought they've positioned themselves well if they can get their offense figured out. But then you look at the Miami Dolphins. They lost their top receiver in Albert Wilson, so they're relying on Devontae Parker, who has, you know, he did a great job against the Houston Texans, but they'd been benching him pretty much for the first half of the season because they just didn't think he was a good fit. And surprise, surprise, he's actually really good. Who knew? And so then Danny Amendola is their number two receiver, 
and they don't have a great running game, and their defense is pretty bad. They don't know how to cover anyone. They're not able to stop the run. I mean, this is a Dolphins team that is very, very fortunate to be 4-4. Four and four. I mean, they started the season 3-0, and oh, and they've lost four out of their past five. I think that they're done. Yeah, they've had Brock Osweiler instead of Ryan Tannehill, but I don't think a single person expects Ryan Tannehill to be the savior of that team. This is a team. We, I mean, we mentioned this before the season started, right? This is a Dolphins team that was destined to fall somewhere in the realm of six to ten and eight and eight, and they're absolutely on track to do that. And they're the second best team in the division. The, the Jets are just—they don't have any of the pieces right now. They're dealing with a lot of injuries, and they're just seemingly on a descent at this point. They are. They are, and the Jets are going to be the Jets for as long as. The Jets are the Jets, to be deep and philosophical for you. It's just <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's the same old, same old, and you expect what you you expect what you expect, and, and that's just the, the thing, that the way it works in the AFC. And I couldn't be happier about it because it's always amusing to me. Uh, also around the league, the Ravens lost to the Panthers 36-21, to which is nice. The Chiefs beat the Broncos, but not by that much. It was closer than it should have been, 30-23. to The Chiefs' offense is so freaking good, Rich, but that defense is a real liability. Halfway point in the season, Mahomes is definitely having an MVP-esque campaign. But do you think the Chiefs' defense could really cause them to slip up in the playoffs? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they will get some of their players back. Eric Berry will get up to speed. Justin Houston should get up to speed. But there are clear concerns, right? This is not an effective or efficient defense. And defense doesn't necessarily get teams to the postseason, but they get them over their hump once they get to the Super Bowl, right? Or once they get into the postseason, you're with a bunch of teams that have good enough quarterbacks and the differentiating bit is that defensive ability and they don't seem to have it right now and it's really surprising because historically they've been pretty good on defense there hasn't been too many changes other than you know they added fuller who's a very good cornerback uh raglan's been doing okay in the middle they have a strong defensive front so i don't really know why their defense is doing so poorly unless you know defensive coordinator bob sutton somehow lost it but typically they've been really good uh but at this point, they're already not good, and the Chiefs seem to swoon over the second half of the season. So my thought is that is the Chiefs' defense that's already not very good going to get even worse over the second half? It's, it's very possible, and I'm not willing to count it out. I'm still waiting for that Andy Reid collapse where they just kind of finish the season 9-7. and seven. Probably not going to happen this year. The offense is too electric, but... As the Patriots fans know all too well, a, a holy sieve-like defense is a real liability come postseason. So something to keep in mind. I think the Chiefs play the Rams pretty soon. That'll be an interesting matchup for sure. That could be like a, a 60 to 58 game. Other <laughs> uh, two quick games I want to talk about before we get to the Patriots' Bills. Steelers beat the Browns because, of course, they did. And the Bengals needed some last-minute miracle to oust Fitzmagic, who is back in the lineup. Jameis Winston got pulled. Fitzmagic does what he does in relief duty. Bengals needed some very, very late heroics to get that done. AFC North, once again, Rich, a total cluster. Steelers will probably come out on top of that division, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah, so the Steelers right now are in third place inside the AFC. They're 4-2-1, and one, but there's so many teams breathing down their neck right now. Cincinnati is 5-3, and three, Baltimore is 4-4. Four and four. There's not that big of a difference between being the number three seed in the AFC and just missing the playoffs entirely. And so the more that these teams inside the AFC North continue just to battle each other and make them have to fight to the very last minute, the more competitive their games are and the more continuous the rocks, paper, scissors sort of 
game happens to be where, you know, the Bengals beat the Ravens, Ravens beat the Steelers, Steelers beat the Bengals, or whatever the, that order is, the more that that happens, the more likely it is that the Chiefs and the Patriots are going to get first-round buys walking away, and that'll set up another AFC North showdown and the wild-card weekend. And, I mean, everything will play in the favor of the teams that get the buy naturally and then this will be even more in their favor because it's going to force another divisional matchup in the opening round so i'm all for this this cycle in the afc north of no one really differentiating one another because in the end it all just helps the patriots yeah and all the more things change the more things they stay the same i feel like every every week every year i should say there's uh there's a narrative of the patriots and insert afc team here in competition for the first round by and the home field throughout the playoffs. And then there's always kind of a very narrow gap between third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and out of the playoffs. There's usually one or two games. And if you want to break it down further, maybe one or two plays throughout the season that kind of separates the, the, the wheat from the chaff. And so I'm glad the Patriots are pulling away. They're not out of it yet. And I'll tell you this now, Richard, they play like they did on Monday against the Packers next week. You and I will be singing a very different tune on our next podcast because the Patriots did not look great against a very bad Buffalo Bills team. Ooh, and that's true. Let's start with some of the negatives that we saw because, yeah, the Patriots won 25-6, and, yeah, no point that I ever feel like the Patriots were truly in any like trouble against the Bills because the Patriots' defense played well against an atrocious, atrocious, atrocious offense. That's what they're supposed to do. I'm concerned about the, this Patriots offense that seemed to just drop the ball against the Bills. And yeah, Buffalo has had a pretty good defense this year, but I don't think that they're that good that they can stifle the entire Patriots. And so, Alec, when you were watching the game, what were some of the biggest red flags that you saw watching the offense? I think the main thing I saw, obviously you have to take this with a grain of salt because their leading rusher was Cordero Patterson. They have no running back right now. I understand their decision not to run James White between the tackles too much. I want to keep him fresh. I want to keep him healthy because if he goes down, Patriots are going down. He is the cornerstone and the linchpin of that yep. offense. It's so amazing what he's been able to do so far. So I get their decision not to run him between the tackles. But with no running game, that means Brady had to throw it all the time, which is fine, but I don't think he looked that accurate. He had a couple of really bad throws. There was one, I think, late in the fourth quarter where he threw to James White, and it should have been a pick six. It was a lame duck, wobbly-looking pass. He's never looked comfortable back there. I want to think that it was a kind of just one of those hiccup nights where they couldn't get up forward or they, they looked past it to the Packers. But uh, I'm most concerned, I think, about just some of the decisions Tom Brady has been making all season, some of the throws he's been making where the communication isn't quite there yet. There was one where Josh Gordon still wasn't on the same page. There was a throw where he should have hit Julian Edelman in the zone. Edelman and him were not on the same page. I'm not saying Brady's bad because he's still playing lights out, but he's definitely lost a step this season. I'll say it, and I'll, I'll say it and, and, and stand by it. I don't think he's as good as he's been in years past, and it's week eight, so there's still time to turn it around, but there are certain things that I've seen this season in Buffalo and previous that I have not seen from the Patriots offense in a long time. I think that starts with Tom Brady. I do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the first game all year that the Patriots, what, they didn't turn the ball over? So they, yeah. they, they were fortunate, and they still weren't able to rack up as many points as they could have. And as you said, it starts with Brady. There was a corner issue with this offense as you said Cordell Patterson led the team in rushing yards they got nothing out of their running game 
And as a result, I think there's a trickle-down effect for the rest of the Patriots' offense because if you don't have that rushing attack, the Bills can just drop as many players as they want into coverage. That makes it harder for Brady to complete passes. There's no play action that you have to worry about, and so therefore Rob Gronkowski is not going to get any open plays up the seam if the linebackers bite. And, I mean, that's what the Bills wanted to do. They didn't want to let Brady hit any of the home runs, and that's why we ultimately saw him throw t- over or you know what, over half of his passes to both Julian Edelman and James White on quick little dump-off passes in the middle of the field or on slip screens and stuff like that. 23 passes to them, you know, and he completed 19 of them, so that's doing pretty well for 183 yards. But, you know, I mean, that's why they weren't able to be effective inside the red zone is because they weren't able to be creative. They weren't able to get anything going. The Bills did a really good job staying disciplined and not giving up anything. And against any other team in the league that had just a moderate offense, the Patriots probably would have lost. Let me ask you this, Rich, and tell me if I'm way off base here. One of the concerns I also have about the Patriots' offense is it's not a an insurmountable obstacle, but something I kind of have to admit at this point in the season is that other than Tom Brady, who's consistent as ever, and even though he's maybe not making the best throws right now, he's still going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. The Patriots' offense, they don't really have like a bona fide game-changer, I-have-to-game-plan-for-this-guy-the-way-they-used-to. Rob Gronkowski, I think, is still hurt. I hope he's still hurt because he is not anything close to what we've seen out of him in years past. He scored one touchdown all season. He's gotten maybe one or two red zone targets. He can't get separation. He's being double covered, granted, but he got single covered a couple times against Buffalo, and he lost the one-on-one battles. He's just not that guy that we've seen in years past. Josh Gordon isn't breaking games open anymore, or yet, I should say. He's still got some time to acclimate to the offense. Edelman's Edelman, but he's not a game changer. And White's great, but he's not a game changer. So I don't feel like there's like this this stud player on the offense that opposing defenses are really worried about all week, and those guys are the ones that open up the playbook for the rest of the Patriots. Am I crazy in that assumption? No, I mean, I'm with you 100%. Rob Gronkowski hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. That's completely absurd for Gronkowski, who historically has averaged, you know, a touchdown per game. And so he's not been a presence for the Patriots, specifically in the red zone. And that's where they came up short numerous times against the Bills. And that's where they really needed him to step up. And he wasn't able to do that. I think it's partially because of the ankle. But also, uh, I wrote something a few weeks ago showing that since he had his third back surgery he hasn't been the same player he's not been utilized in the red zone he's not been as dominant he had still been the best tight end in the entire league don't get me wrong because he's an excellent blocker and he's still productive as a receiver but he's no longer that transcendent ability at tight end and that seems to be gone and i i don't know if we've really seen it other than you know he's still a top five tight end in the league in the same way that tom brady uh, you know, last season he was transcendent. This year he hasn't been. You know, he's still top five quarterback in the league, and I'm not saying that he can't get back to being that transcendent player, but we haven't seen it yet, and we haven't seen it with Brady this year. We haven't seen it with Gronkowski this year, and so what you're saying is true, and what, what I guess the Patriots did or what they were talking about, the trade deadline came and went. The Patriots didn't acquire anyone, but there were reports that the Patriots were trying to acquire a bona fide wide receiver. They tried to get Demarius Thomas out of the Broncos, but the Houston Texans outbid them, and they wanted to get Golden Tate, but the Philadelphia Eagles outbid them. So the Patriots agree with you in the sense that they need more players on offense to step up because they haven't had anyone do it yet and so yeah that, that is definitely a concern because if the Patriots don't think it's it's enough right now then it's probably not 
Yeah, how much of the, yesterday's game or Monday's game at this point was the Patriots' offense just being flat, not able to get anything going, not having any momentum or energy? Just one of those games where they kind of just all forgot to show up. And how much credit should we give the Bills' defense? Because I actually liked what I saw out of the Buffalo defense. You mentioned earlier in the podcast how you like what the Bills have done defensively in the offseason through acquisitions and drafts and trades and whatnot. I think they had a really good game overall. I think they did everything they possibly could to keep the offense in it but the offense couldn't do anything because they're terrible. So how much is it do you lay at the blame for the Patriots, or how much is the Bills doing a good job defensively? I, I definitely say it's a mix of both. I, I do want to give the Bills all the credit in the world. Lorenzo Alexander is a great pass rusher. Matt Milano and uh, Tremaine Edwards did a really good job at linebacker in the middle of the field, making sure that Gronkowski didn't get anything underneath. Micah Hyde is an excellent, excellent safety over the top, made sure that Gronkowski didn't do anything there. Tredavious White was excellent in covering Josh Gordon on the outside and Chris Hogan, making sure that no one was really productive on the edges. And so the Patriots were only able to produce when they kind of game plan to Julian Edelman to find places open in the zone or get matchups against linebackers. Bills pretty much won most of their other matchups one-on-one. And so, yeah, I give the Bills a lot of credit for doing that. They, they clearly came out to win on defense. But on that same page, I do think Gronkowski's hurt. Patriots didn't have a rushing attack. Shaq Mason got hurt for half the game. They didn't have Marcus Cannon. Uh, I mean, there were just so many issues with this Patriots offense based off of injuries. I'm not saying that other teams don't deal with injuries, but there are a lot of reasons to think that this Patriots offense is not operating at 100%. Uh, I mean, and I think the proof is in the pudding. This was kind of a lackluster day. And if you don't have the rushing attack, Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the league off the play action. He didn't have that in his arsenal. And when hopefully Sony Michelle returns next week, fingers crossed against the Green Bay Packers, that'll be an element in it again. And we'll see the Patriots offense playing at a higher level. What I really like about this game, Rich, is that even though the offense didn't play that well and had a really hard time getting any momentum-ready narrative flow to their their schemes and their play calling, this is a scenario where the defense stepped up. The defense did well. I guess as much as you can give a credit to a defense going up against Derek Anderson and Kelvin Benjamin <laughs> as the number two, I got to kind of temper that. But for what you you played the teams in front of you, I think the defense looked really really solid. They limited the Bills to. 313 yards receiving, but that's a lot of those came in garbage time. There were 46 yards rushing. There was really no point ever was I remotely confident that the Bills were going to do anything, and they didn't. I like what the Patriots did a lot. I like the pressure they, they, they generated on Anderson. I like the coverage. I thought the schemes were good. And they didn't really get that creative either. Which I think Flores did a very vanilla defense and said, hey, listen, we're just better than they are. Go out there, outmuscle the guy you're assigned to, and we'll, we'll generate turnovers and we'll get points on the board. And they did exactly that. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's just the perfect way to describe what they did. Trey Flowers did an excellent job on the edge. Stephon Gilmore did a great job in the secondary. Kyle Van Noy did a wonderful job at linebacker. Devin McCourty at safety. I mean, every single Patriots defender that needed to step up and win their one-on-one matchup, they went out and did that. You know, you could say the same thing against about the Bills defense. Patriots did it against clearly just lesser talent. Sean McCoy had a fine day. I mean, he had 95 yards. You can't really forget that. But most of those came receiving. Sean McCoy, 13 rushing yards on 12 carries with a long of 12 yards. You know, that means that on McCoy's 11 other carries, he got one yard. That's unbelievable. That's a huge testament to Trey Flowers, Adrian Claiborne, Malcolm Brown, Lawrence Guy, Danny Shelton, Kyle Van Noy, Landon Roberts for doing an amazing job with Dante Hightower sidelined. So 
Yeah, you got to give super props to the Patriots defense. I think where I would want to start is talking about Stephon Gilmore because he, week in, week out, has been the most dominant player on the Patriots. And sure, he, he gave up two catches to the Bills. One of them was a 40-yarder down the field, but he was targeted like seven times and allowed two catches for 45. That's another stellar performance for him. I think it's very telling for a cornerback. I think there there are two things that are very telling for a cornerback in a, a bad way. If every single time a player catches the ball, he's around. You see that a lot with cornerbacks that just get picked on a lot. That's a bad sign. However, the good signs when you get frustrated because the cornerback gives up two or three completions a day and you're like, oh, man, I can't believe Gilmore actually seeded one. And that's what you want to have. That's the kind of frustration you want as a fan is to watch being, being upset that the cornerback actually gave up a reception because it happens so rarely. It's like offensive linemen. You know, you don't want to hear their name called that much. And Gilmore is doing that and then some. I think he and McCourty have really developed a nice rapport as the starting corners, which is especially good because Eric Rowe was placed on their IR today, so he will not be coming back this season. So McCourty and Gilmore are the guys going out, and I think it is a very solid secondary right now. Once Hightower gets back healthy, I think it's a knee issue he's dealing with. I think we're in that point, halfway point in the season. Defense is rounding the corner. Oh, absolutely, and we're starting to see what their strengths are. Patriots are playing towards it again. And yeah, I mean, we'll definitely be able to confirm whether or not that's real against the Packers because some part of me thinks that Aaron Rodgers is a little bit better than Derek Anderson. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not I'm not a football professional or anything, but that's my thought. And so, I mean, we'll get to see if Adrian Claiborne and Trey Flowers, I think that they've developed well on the edge. I think that Danny Shell and Lawrence Guy, Malcolm Brown has put together strong back-to-back-to-back weeks, so that's nice to see in the middle. Kyle Van Noy continues to be a force. I mean, every single player on this Patriots defense, I think, is either playing at, you know, above average level or at an elite level. And I think that's exactly what they need to do in order to finish out the season, because they've had so many players do it at individual times for the first half of the year. Right. You'll have games where Gilmore is being excellent, but then you'll have, you know, Eric Rowe give up a big player. Jonathan Jones give up a big player. Devin McCourty gives up a big play. And you haven't seen the defense where everyone plays well at the exact same time. And I'm starting to think that, you know, for the second half of the season, we might start seeing just that. I hope you're right, buddy. I think they're trying in the right direction. Uh, one thing, I want, one more thing to talk about before we close out and, and come back later on in the week for the Packers and week nine in the NFL is a very weird situation for me because I don't think that these special teams units, particularly the kick coverage unit, kickoffs and punts, has been that good this season. And it's very weird to say because Belichick waxes poetic about the kicking game constantly as a head coach is so mute in press conferences, but asking about the punt team or the kick coverage and he'll go on forever. I feel like the punts are a little soft. Patriots are missing tackles. They're not hitting their gaps. They're not hitting their assignments. What's going on with special teams, Rich? Am I, am I off base here? No, there, there are a lot of concerns here. I mean, Micah Hyde had that 30 yard field flipping return that any other team would have turned into a touchdown. So you should definitely be concerned about that. Uh, Ryan Allen did not have a great day out there. I mean, he averaged 37 yards per punt. And normally, average punt isn't the best way to evaluate a punter because, you know, they're situational. You know, 37-yard punt, if you're punting from the 38-yard line, that's incredible. This was a time where that 37-yard punt average was really what he did out there. I mean, his punts either didn't have hang time or 
the coverage wasn't good and so Hyde was able to return it or it just was shanked. I mean, it wasn't a great performance for the Patriots special teams. I think Goskowski had a fine enough day, uh, but it wasn't perfect by any means. If you look at the Patriots for the first half of this year, this might be one of the worst half of a year performances by the Bill Belichick special teams of his entire Patriots tenure. What's good about that, you said this is the halfway point, which is the season still is 50% to go. A lot of football left to play, and the win is a win is a win, and a road win on a primetime stage with the Bills Mafia doing what they do, crashing through tables, throwing sex toys on the field, <laughs> everything that goes on. It's always a tough place to play, even though Brady is 29-3 and now in Buffalo. He's now the, what, the, the third most winning quarterback behind Jim Kelly and one other guy, I think, um, <laughs> which is a ridiculous stat to have. Um, he passed up Drew Bledsoe last night as the as the all-time winningest quarterback in Buffalo. But it's always good to get a win on the road and a very tough test coming up in Green Bay. Yeah, absolutely. And so we'll break down the game against the Packers later on this week. We'll have more uh, review of this Patriots-Bills game on patspulpit.com. But for me, I'm super excited. Next week, Sunday Night Football, Patriots-Packers. Uh, not only will it be a great game, Alec, but it will be the last time the Patriots are in prime time for the rest of the regular season. Fingers oh. crossed that nothing else will get flexed, but I am just super excited to not have to stay up till 1 in the morning writing about <laughs> writing about the Patriots just snoozing against the Buffalo Bills. Amen to that. Thank Tebow. Oh, absolutely. Until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>